Okay, with Brian Bowers, uh, Reverie is the short film. We're doing this both. I'm in Toronto. He's in Austin, Texas. They, we, there's a storm going brewing, I guess, all over the land. Uh, there's a huge snowstorm while I'm doing this podcast in uh, in Toronto. And Brian, there's a, there's a storm going on in Austin as well. Yeah, well, there's an Arctic blast. I think that's the, the term they're using. So, so far, we don't have any snow, but hopefully it won't be as bad as it was um, a couple of years ago, we had a really bad freeze and everything shut down. The power went down. So, so far we aren't at that point. Let's, let's hope that trend continues. It's like a cliche joke, but I guess that means your senator's headed to Cancun, I guess, right now, right? Right. <laughs> More or less, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you guys don't let that guy again. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, you know, I, I won't comment on that, but um, yeah, for sure. It definitely was a strange time when that, when that made it out. Uh, oh, what a diplomatic that. answer that was. That's great to start off the yeah. podcast. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. diplomatic. So basically, I, I'm, I'm an outsider. I can look in, I can look at the United States from Canada's perspective and, and basically so, because I, I don't have a voting claim on it. So let's exactly. talk about your really cool uh, reverie, your really cool short film, experimental music video. It's got some spirituality elements, of course. In the blog interview, it kind of said that you, you kind of got to this project in a, in a dream state correct? Uh, yeah, so it, it was a very interesting project. Actually, I was uh, maybe about a year ago, I was applying to graduate school, and I ended up getting into graduate school for my MBA. And um, right before it was time to accept, I just was felt, felt a bit discontented and, and didn't think it was the right thing for me to do at, the, at that time. And so I started working on these film concepts. The initial film concept was actually an animated short film, um, and it was just becoming a really big project to manage. And it was it was also my first film project as well. And so um, maybe around January of this year was when Reverie just kind of, I was meditating and it just, just the whole idea came to me at a piece of music that I'd written. And so I started structuring this uh, uh, experimental art dance film around that. Gotcha. So you had the music already that you wrote and then you're kind of just, and then you're kind of almost building a music video around it in a sense, I guess. Well, for sure. So it started off initially, uh, there weren't words in the reverie at all. And so it was all centered around a piece of music that I drafted. And uh, I'm one of those people, I start things and then I put them down and I start again and put them down. And so this music I'd never finished. And so finally, I started working on it again to refine it. Um, I'd used it in another uh, live performance installation I'd done a few years ago. And then when I started the actual filmmaking process and met my co-producers, that's kind of when um, the project sort of started to expand and, and became bigger than we thought it was thought it was originally. Gotcha. So then, okay, so then you got, so basically what's the next step for you then? So you, you like, you scrapped this project that you were working on. Mm -hmm. You're going to jump into Reverie. You got the music, kind of got the, kind of like the seed of the idea. Do you mm -hmm. write a script now, like about like what you're going to see visually and, uh, or like I've, you said that narration came later, the voiceover came later. But what was the next step? Did you write an actual script for the film? No, I didn't actually. That's the funny part. So when I met Miguel and Valeria, so Miguel and Valeria, both my co-producers, they're actually based out of Colombia, which is where we did the filming. Um, when I met them originally, the idea was that I was working with them. Um, they were going to film a project on my behalf and that he, we were going to work together in the choreography. I was going to send them the music. And then it was just going to kind of be like almost a work for hire. And um, as I started talking to them and going into the concepts and I had a production uh, deck and I had keyframes 
And it was Miguel that asked me, he said, so how long have you been a film director? And I was like, I had no clue really, to be honest with you, that I was even a film director. I thought I was just creating a creative brief. And so then I started going into more detail um, and just crafting things out and making recommendations on the camera and asking questions about uh, the frame rates and things like that. And that's when I started saying, oh, well, maybe you uh, have a shot at this film directing thing. And so we actually went through the rehearsal process. Um, there weren't words at that time. It was just music. Uh, it wasn't until we started the the filming day was when I started to craft a lot of the text and things like that and say, I really think that I'll be able to use some of this um, prose that I've written and piece it into the film. So uh, the on-screen cast, they never heard any of the words. Gotcha. It was all written kind of like in this in between uh, production and post-production and then applied into the film. But what about the, the weird process? What about the dancing elements? Like when did you how did you choreograph that? When did you choreograph that? Uh, I worked with Miguel. So Miguel was sort of Miguel was essentially our director of choreography. I call myself co-choreography. So I came to him with a set of, of choreographical concepts. Like I knew uh, the structure that I wanted. I had sense a sense of the foundations and a sense of the formations. Um, I broke the choreography up into three distinct phases that fit with what I was trying, what I wanted to see expressed in terms of movement. And um, Miguel is super sharp and he was like, I get exactly what you want. And so then we started having rehearsals with the dancers and working back and forth until we came up with a, the entire sort of vision for the movement itself. But um, the reason it's still impactful and still matches with the text is because the sentiment and what we were trying to express was there. We just didn't, at the time as a writer, I just didn't have any, I mean, I really didn't want any words to be in it initially. And so they started coming to me as well. Um, and, and that's how it all came together. It's a bit of an untraditional process, I think. Well, the traditional process, it, your film is is not in so many ways. It's like, it's funny you just said that because it's like, it seems like it's just, it was almost like a journey of like, you're just purely experimental, meaning that like you, you had a plan, but you didn't have like a concise plan. You're just kind of like figuring things out, like as the emotions occurred. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. There was a pro there was like a, a, a project plan. I'm also a project manager, a program manager. Um, I work in marketing. And so there was a project plan because I have to have one or I'll go crazy. And there was a production deck. But then there were all of these things that we just experimented with. And even when we filmed, we didn't have sound design done. And so the sound designer that I worked with, uh, Mario, uh, he's based out of Mexico. And so we started talking about that. And I started coming up with a sound map for what we wanted to to hear. And then he was able to kind of infuse these really interesting sounds to just complement um, what we'd created and also try to replicate the, what we would imagine was the ambient sound and the space that the filming actually took place in. Would, so you, you mentioned before, this is your first film as well? This is the first film it you is. directed? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So the film's doing well, like on the festival circuit. Uh, are you surprised by that? Like, what's your reaction to that? Uh, you know, it's very interesting. What I will say, I've learned, so we submitted to quite a few film festivals, a lot for a very expensive process. But um, in the beginning, I didn't know, in my mind, I thought because there was text and there was a narrative that people would consider it to be a narrative short. And what I've learned is that no one thinks it's a narrative short. Um, some people think it's an experimental film. No one considers it 
like um, a video art. I haven't had a lot of success in that category. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of them also don't classify it as a dance film. And so it's this sort of hybrid project where very specific festivals have yeah. really gravitated towards it and others like i mean it it's yeah I, i've just gone through this process now with the festival where some as of the a, as a gave. festival programmer for a long time I, I get what you're trying to say it's like it's exactly like people it's like it's like any any kind of form of film in, in a sense it's like everybody wants to put it in a, in a in a certain category i guess right for sure yeah and i'm pretty resistant to that i i didn't feel like it I call it a hybrid film, which is, um, you know, I guess in some festivals it would be classified as out of, out of uh, festival. I think that's the term. That means it's a, that means it's, a, it's an experimental film when you say yeah. it's a hybrid film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and um, yeah, it's done really well in South America and Latin America and the U.S. We finally have had a couple of official selections here, but most of them have been abroad, which is also a very interesting uh, thing to experience. Well, yeah, then I guess our Canadian festival, right? So yeah, for sure, exactly. Okay, so to tell me about uh, okay, so so you shot, you said you shot it in Colombia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you got the you got the one really key location with the windows and the stairs. Where did you? Where was that filmed? Where, uh, the, where the dance a, sequence took place. It's a space called Espacio Odeon. Um, and I pronounce that very much like an American. Um, and uh, it's a it's an art venue in uh, Colombia that is very well known. Um, and initially, when I was talking with Miguel and Valeria, again, they were essential to the project. But we had kind of a short list of different spaces. And at the very beginning of the project, before it sort of expanded into this much bigger thing, um, given the nature of what we were trying to express with the main central character, uh, we wanted to have something that was very big and very open. So we looked at um, empty warehouses and manufacturing facilities and all sorts of uh, things that sort of uh, give that feeling of not desolation, but like um, a sort of uh, the emptiness is no better than desolation. But essentially, that's how we ended up landing on that space. There were a couple of different uh, shop locations within the venue itself um, that we considered and then when I saw that one, I just intuitively felt that it was going to be the right space to kind of capture things. There were some interesting things to sort of navigate around. There were some areas that were very narrow, um, but the symmetry of it all and the lighting and things like that, uh, it, it made it a perfect space. So then, yeah, it's it's actually a fantastic space. And because uh, you like I've never seen like that space before in a film, which is mm -hmm. but it also leads to so many kind of like emotional reactions because you were seeing the outside world but mm -hmm. we we don't and also we don't know exactly where we are right like we don't exactly. we don't know where we are in the world like obviously you're, you're saying it's Colombia, but nobody would guess yeah. that right so yeah and it's almost like a kind of like a modern setting in its, in its interior like you're kind of in a modern building mm -hmm. and then the outside is like you're kind of like you it's 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 basically kind of an old kind of architecture background Exactly. So you're like, where where am I? Like, this is such a such an interesting kind of contrast, and almost surrealistic in a way. And and the juxtaposition of that sort of grand open space with the um with the beginning where you're in the house and you see the uh, very pedestrian sort of shots of the water dripping. The whole idea there was to really bring. Um, and I think in some of the feedback they said it, that was what I wrote in the production deck. I wanted to bring people 
into her intimate world and see like the inside of her life and you know just a journey through how she lived and then that transition through her um her mind space and her mental space into her mental world and see sort of like the contrast of those uh those two things so i was really happy to to hear that that was conveyed so and then so you to let's to chat me up about your uh your cast so like fantastic uh performance like fantastic dancing where did you find your cast uh again they were dancers that um Miguel knew so Miguel is a theater student actually and so he has a network in Colombia of artists and uh, dancers and movers and actors and actresses and things like that and so I went to him with this sort of vision I was very deliberate about the type of casting that we did um I was obsessed with the wheel of time in fact um the music that uh the way the music was finalized I had wheel of time in mind and so we we had some casting decisions that we made based on my inspiration from that perspective. Um, and actually, initially, uh, we had one cast member that ended up couldn't she couldn't continue because she ended up getting ill, and so we had to replace her, unfortunately. But um, and that ended up being the person that we call the present. Her name her name is Valentina. She's sort of the what you would see as the main person um, in the film, kind of a journey through her mind. Um, yeah, they're just fantastic dancers, all trained dancers. Valentina um, Carranza, right? Valentina Carranza, yeah, yeah she was she's fantastic. She's uh, is she is she an actor by trade or? I think she is a dancer by trade. Uh, they're all trained dancers, and I think maybe actors as well. Um, but different styles and different genres, and also other artistic mediums. I think um, uh, Annette is also a visual artist. I know that Sophia Lara. She also experiments with a lot of uh, contemporary dance styles and uh, African-influenced and infused dance styles as well, hip-hop and all sorts of things. So they came with such a rich palette of artistic experience and expression uh, that I think allowed them all to have their own um their own presence and reverie in a way that was very powerful and impactful and super kind as well. All, we're already talking now about, you know, other projects that we may be able to do together. So it was, uh, it was really nice. So she's, they're all based in, uh, in, in, in Columbia. Yep. They're all based in Columbia. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, so you did, and so how long did you shoot the the main sequence on the, on the, on the, the, the dance sequence? Did you shoot it in one day? It was all shot in one day. So yeah. the whole film was shot in one day. It was all shot in one day. We had two rehearsals, maybe three rehearsals, um, a week or so apart and in my mind in my mind having done a sort of dance it was more of a live production that i had done i i mean we had weeks and weeks and weeks and months of rehearsals um so when miguel said no i think i think we can do this in this amount of time and then i think the morning of the production as well there was some some refinement but no it was all done in one day the first because of the time um and wanting to capture the light and have that light um in the film the first half was actually shot in uh, Odeon, and then the second half in the evening was shot in a co-living space in, in Colombia called Tabula Rasa. And so they were super, super gracious. The owner of that space allowed us to use that space to film the uh, beginning sequence where you're going to the house and you see the interaction there. So um, I definitely want to give them a shout out because uh, they were really kind to us and allowing us to use their space. So in your in your synopsis, I love the first line. The, the past can be an unreliable narrator, and the future is simply a shifting reflection of where we are right now. 
That's pretty poetic. Who wrote that? That's a great question. So I love giving plugs. So um, <laughs> I actually, a coworker of mine, uh, she doesn't work for our company anymore, but I'd reached out to her and I asked her, I said, hey, look, I'm like a marketing guy. I can write prose. I can write poetry. I can write scripts when it comes to um, trying to evangelize my own brand or market my own products. I'm terrible. Here's what I've written. Can you please like make this something palatable that, that people can actually understand? And she's a fantastic writer in her own right. And so um, I, I contracted her to write a couple of different descriptions. And that was one of the most powerful lines that she came up with. And I said, oh, my gosh. So I put her in the film credits. I put her at IMDb. Her name is Jamie. And um, it, I think it makes a huge difference to have the essence of the film articulated in a way that will attract and intrigue and interest people, uh, which my original uh, description did not. I tried to do a poll to get people to respond. And, and a friend of mine that I used to work for, she said, yeah, but this is a bit too corporate, I think, for people to care. <laughs> so luckily, we were able to get Jamie to help us and a fantastic copywriter, copy editor, and she was able to, to whip up something better. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great line. So tell me about like you directing that you like, uh, you, like you said, it was kind of like, uh, you're just kind of feeding off the emotions, but you have some, uh, is it using a Steadicam uh, most of the film? We ended up using a um, black magic pocket camera, I think, I okay. forget the exact name of it. And we had a couple of different options. What ended up happening is, again, I, I don't know anything about cameras and, and I, I've always struggled with whether I should talk about how much I don't know about filming. But um, we ended up using the Blackmagic camera and we had another option. And I started looking at um, the quality of other short, short films that I saw filmed with these two different cameras. And then that at that point, I was kind of like, um, I think we should consider the Blackmagic camera just because of the quality and not that the other cameras weren't as good because I think you can make a great film off of uh, virtually any piece of equipment. Um, but I started to ask Valeria because Valeria and Miguel are both film directors and creators in their own right, right? And so I started asking them specific questions about what um, I was looking for and which equipment would be best to achieve that. And that's when we started making some um, some decisions around around the around that. So who who shot? Who was who was the camera operator in the film? There were a couple of different camera operators. Um, I know Valeria shot a few scenes. Um, there is a, a a talent that we had two talents of uh, Santiago Silva was one of them, and then there was another person. His name is Camilo Barrera, and he's they're all in Colombia. And Camilo shot most of the film because he's had a lot of familiarity with the black magic um equipment and yeah and then we had other people we had another um I i'm trying to remember all the names to make sure i i mentioned everyone uh gabriella duquara she was kind of our behind the scenes person um so any sort of behind the scenes or portrait type scenes that you see of the cast that are informal and not from the official stills she was responsible um for those but yeah we had two two different camera operators and even valeria herself um she did some some things too because the way it's shot is really, it's a really interesting vibe because it's like you're going from head to toe, all, mm -hmm. like like really a lot. And you're kind of like even you're kind of shooting like of, of like they got their hands in the air and you're shooting close up mm -hmm. on their hands and then you're getting down on their feet. And then like, and so, the, so they're, and they're right there. Like you can tell even with the lens you're lose, using that the camera operator is like right in their faces. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
It's very intimate. So it's very intentional. And you know, and I think that this is um I've been having some now that I'm 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 going into film a bit more, I've had some conversations with other directors. And I think one of the things that I've learned, I think this can be applicable even to you know, regular corporate life, is that having a willingness to bring people in who have ideas and perspectives that are greater than yours was mm-hmm. the key to Reverie. And so um, I did not approach the project as, I mean, I had a firm concept, but I didn't approach it as, it was more of a guide than an edict. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to feel like, my idea was the only way. And so there was always space for people to question things and always space for people to challenge things. In fact, um, there was a decision made on coloring and Valeria came to me very openly and she said, I, you know, I have a controversial opinion. And I was like, well, what's controversy for me? Nothing's controversial to me. And uh, she said, I think that this coloring decision is is a mistake. And I said, oh, okay. And so she kind of explained her thought and I said, okay, yeah, let's change it. And we talked to our colorist. Our colorist, um, his name is Anibal Castaño. He's actually from Colombia, but he's based out of, I think he's in London right now or somewhere in the UK. Um, so that's another element to the project is that there are so many different creators who came together to take part in it and we're all over the world. And yeah, so- uh, That's the magic yeah, of filmmaking so, now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, a, an amazing thing that came out of the, well, the remote world. <laughs> Yeah, to, to jump on what you're saying, it's like it's not a. That's I. I think all there's so many like amazing filmmakers who are very successful in the studio system, independent system, wherever country they're in. But like even Spielberg says that, like to use the grand example of like a studio guy, it's like every everybody who's key collaborator can make the film five percent better. Like the cinematographer, sound designer, production designer, you know, obviously actors and like. And so it's not a dictatorship there. If you hire the right people, they're going to make your film that much better and you listen to them. And so that's what's jumping on what you're, you're saying. That's exactly the filmmaking process, right? Like mm-hmm. is hire the right people. That's like 90% of the job, right? Yeah. And, and also I think um, giving people a chance. So I, I did a, and I can't talk about it yet, but I was interviewing for a film fellowship about two weeks ago and they one of the things that came up was where's the rest of your work and that that continues to come up in my career as I go back into the arts because I'd always had a vision of being an artist or a musician or something like that and different things happen that send you in a different direction but um one of the key things for me is that as I'm working on these projects is also finding people who want a shot and giving them the opportunity to make the shot right because that's what it feels like to not have that and so I think that there are so many people with great ideas and and visions and insights that they never get a chance to share them and so I didn't want to create that environment for reverie and so I I mean kept everything very open and allowed people to offer not not even allowed I mean it wasn't me allowing it there was always space for everyone to to give their feedback and it just made the final product better so that's why I'm pretty obsessive actually about um, listing credits. I think some people may see the credit and say, oh, well, the film is under 10 minutes. Why are there so many people? I think most films have a ton of people who are taking part in them, but people are not as maybe cavalier or bold about giving credit to everyone who's taken a part. And I wanted everyone to walk away from this project 
feeling like it was something that they could be proud of and hey go put it on your resume go put it on your website or, or your portfolio or whatever i think that that's exciting that you know if someone feels yeah. led to do that so yeah 100 percent. so you're you shot the film uh did you bring it back to the states to start editing it is that what the everything was done no so we did so we started so um miguel was our lead editor so he started the editing he's he did the slicing and the splicing and all of that um and we worked remotely the last part of the post-production was actually done between me miguel and another editor also anibal doing the the coloring once the coloring was finished the color grading color grading was done um we then worked with um someone i found online actually to do a lot of the final post-production and his name was mateo marson he's based out of tuscany i think um, and so he's been in film for two decades, right? And so he came with a completely different perspective about how to finalize and refine the film. And um, yeah, so that that's how it took place. Everything was done um, virtually. We shared files through OneDrive and Google Drive, and um, it, it was quite a bit. But the initial editing, luckily, uh, Miguel was able to do some fantastic edits. And even when Mateo saw them, he was like, who is the guy doing this editing? I'm yeah. like, it's the same person who did the choreography. He's he's just a remarkably talented um, artist. And so that's another thing uh, with my background, kind of being this hybrid, creative, corporate, et cetera. I've also spent some time talking with uh, you know different members of the project and I start to see other skills that they have that they may not see. And yeah. so I say, hey, well, you know, you could be a great site coordinator. Or, hey, you could be a great multimedia coordinator. So now they have some ideas about how they can flesh out aspects of their professional career until they can become, quote unquote, full time artists. You know, just things that they may not think are valuable. But from my perspective as a marketing director, I'm like, yeah, I'd hire you in a minute if you could you know, come in and do these things. So that's been another part of the project. Well, you sound like a connector. That seems maybe that's your like your your grand gift, the way you're describing it. And you're the good jump on your editor. He's he's editing. He's a choreographer. He's editing on. There's so many uh, shots that edit on movements in your film. Like everybody's mm -hmm. there's a there's a there's there's a movement of some kind, and all of a sudden you you cut. And the cutting is so interesting because it's like you're going from master shot to close up, and it's like, but it it all like this is me studying it from the second third watching, but. When you're watching the film the first time, everything kind of flows like and mm -hmm. it's like kind of a cliche to say that, but it does. Mm -hmm. Who did who was the voiceover? Who did the voiceover? Um, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, her name is Andrea Howden. She's based out of the UK and just I've worked with her before. Um, and she was just the most amazing, most gracious, most kind person um, to work with. And so her spirit and and sort of energy just really i think in my opinion sets the tone for the entire film and and her delivery isn't over the top it isn't overly dramatic it's just honest and so um i told when she started doing the 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 voiceover cuts i just told her i said your honesty is so full of depth and so impactful for the project and so she also just to kind of give you insight there she didn't see any of the film at all. Um, I think maybe the last part of the voiceover um, work that was done, I shared it with her so she could sort of bring it home. But everything else was done very, it was all done separately. 
nothing was really done at the same time, which is back to your point about it being truly experimental. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about now is about, you know, with it being my first film, right, I have no preconceptions about what films are supposed to be, what project plans have to look like. And so now I know that all of these different things are achievable and that they can end up creating a really interesting result because, right, the dancers aren't swayed by the sound. They rely on their own internal compass yeah. and movement and the, the <laughs> guidance of the, the uh, yeah. movement, pun intended, the guidance of the choreographer. And then the uh, if there's any voiceover work and things like that that are done, that person can also go within themselves. And so it's really about allowing creative talents to um, express themselves in a way that is uh, authentic and true. And I'm not sure. So like Jordan Peele, he's a, a, a director here and a writer here in the U.S. And I was listening to an interview Kiki Palmer did with Angela Bassett. And she was, and Jordan Peele is a director that I would love to work with on, on a project. And she was talking about how the way he writes and creates films that he allows so much authenticity and expression from the people that he works with so his his writing style is looked at as a guide and not necessarily you know uh, again an edict that people have yeah follow. and so i kind of feel that have the same approach to the things that i work on it's very common in the comedy world right but uh mm -hmm. not not necessarily in the dramatic world but i think i i heard that about uh about about him which funny enough he comes from the comedy world right so yeah um, exactly yeah that makes so sense. he's taking the comedy aspects from his um uh, his from his tv series with uh with keel and peel and kind of mm -hmm. using that into his dramatic work which is in horror work or whatever genre he's working in which is interesting for sure yeah he has some interesting stuff well one last, one last point um so Valentina, when it, so she, every because people assume that Andrea's voiceover is Valentina in the film. Yeah. In the dots. So what did she think about when she saw the film? I mean, honestly, it was amazing the, the feedback that I received from her and just from the cast in general. And they said, oh, my goodness, we had no idea what this was going to turn into. Right. And so it was kind of like a gift to give it to everyone. Yeah, they were all super, super surprised and super shocked and um, even with the sound, I mean, there were so many elements. I had drafts of sound design, but when Miguel was editing, I mean, the sound design wasn't finished. In fact, the um, the final, so there were a couple of mixing and mastering engineers that I worked with. One was in Argentina and he did the mixing and mastering. Uh, Marcelo did that for the trailers, but the whole film mixing and mastering was done by an engineer based out of the U.S. Uh, named Brian Losh, a very... Um, I try not to name drop him, but he's, he's quite accomplished, uh, in the, especially in the classical music world. But um, yeah, we had to, I, I was booked, I had to book him, his schedule was so crazy, I had to book him six months ahead of time. And so I booked Brian before we even had a film concept, because I knew if I, if I didn't, I would have no way of, of, ha of working with him that spring. And so I booked him December before we even filmed. And, uh, but yeah, so Valentina was amazed. Uh, Sophia, she was amazed, and Annette was amazed also, just to hear everything come together. But I think Valentina, in particular, was surprised for her because it was her inner dialogue. Yeah, it must have been. It's it's so fascinating to me. So and then so finally, what did you think about? We sent you the audience feedback video. You kind of referenced it a little bit during the interview. What did you think about what the, our audience had to say about your film and the feedback video? I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed and everyone I've shared it with, they were also overwhelmed. Um, and to know 
that it was received in the way we intended was the biggest takeaway, but also hats off to you and your festival for even having that as an option, because as a director in general, but certainly as a first-time director, being able to get that kind of feedback from people on your work is money can't buy that. It's, it's super invaluable. But yeah, I was I was completely overwhelmed and honored and humbled by um, by the things that they said. And then the specific things that they called out um, in their reviews and their feedback. I can remember conversations with Valeria, or conversations with Miguel about different decisions we were making. And so we made some really good decisions and to have that reflected in, uh, in those reviews, um, it was amazing. I, I loved it. I've watched it a lot of times, <laughs> probably oh, too so many good. times. That's so good to hear. Uh, well, I think you're a guy on, on the rise. So I guess it's one of those things where you, it's it's about consistency and like keep keep making work, keep being creative, keep uh, shelving out films, and then you're going to get more experienced and you're going to get smarter and more savvy with like how you do things from top to bottom. But you like you're already a connector. You can already tell. But now it's just about kind of like producing the product and and uh, getting yourself out there and basically being person that you're probably supposed to be and this is like an interview full of cliches but no but, but I think that's good though because it is about that right just yeah. going and and being consistent and being the person it is you're you're meant to be and I, I appreciate the connector feedback because that's something that I um there's a, a psychometric thing called strengths finders and I rate very highly on a, a an area called connectedness <laughs> so so that's uh, I'm glad you called it out no, and it's yeah now it's all about like the body of work it's about creating the body of work and like and sure. basically and then 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 all of a sudden it, one project leads to another project and then and then you end up being where you're supposed to be so, so i hope that's the way it works right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so good luck with the storm uh in, in austin texas i kind of it's kind of funny from a canadian that you guys are going to get a little bit of snow and you're kind of like referencing the how cold it is but it's really not that cold but it's but it's really all a matter not, yeah. of perspective right so it's a matter of perspective yeah and what the thing is is this obviously has nothing to do with filmmaking but the thing is is that the infrastructure here just isn't 100%. designed to to handle it and so um yeah but yeah definitely nothing like Canada and it's kind of funny I was thinking at one point a couple of years ago about moving to Norway and then someone explained to me they were like well you, you don't really like you didn't like living in the Midwest so why would you ever consider moving to Norway but yeah. beautiful place I've traveled there but I don't know that I would be able to handle <laughs> uh, no you're right it's all about the infrastructure they don't have snowmobiles they don't have snow blowers in Texas yeah. you would you would you probably don't even have shovels snow shovels so right yeah no none of that so like yeah <laughs> it, it, it's it's so interesting like I said you guys had a lot of issues hopefully you learn from your mistakes a couple of years ago. So then you, you guys are ready for, for this year. So for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. You're awesome. This is an amazing film. It really is. And uh, I really enjoyed watching it. I've watched it a few times. I watched it again today before this, this, this interview. And it's, it's so, there's so many nuances. There's so many subtleties. So I'm glad you're able to thank you for your candor, for sharing your uh, thoughts and feelings on the film. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and for uh, sharing our film with your audience. It Let's talk again. Like I said, keep making work. Let's talk again when you make your next film. Absolutely. I look forward to it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassenbeck Incorporated.